What's up and welcome to Sweathead with Mark Pollard. I'm going to take you on a walk through Istanbul today. I'm starting in an area called Kabatash. It's near the main, well, one of the main streets, which is where all the tourists go for shopping, called something like Istiklal. I can't pronounce it. My head's a little bit spun around with all the travel lately. I'm finding it hard to grab onto names and words and just different word structures and things like that. But I'm going to go down to one of the history museums, the archaeological museum. I guess it's in the old town today, so it'll take me about 40 minutes. I'm going to talk to you the whole way, walking down a steep hill. It's been such a cool trip. Turkey and Istanbul have been really cool. There's a little bit of a shadow side, a dark side here, like anywhere else, but it's, it's been good. I'll talk to you a little bit about strategy today. I'll talk to you about We'll talk you through some of the, maybe one or two Instagram essays that I put up, one about functional versus emotional advertising, and uh, I'll see which other one I want to go through. So there will be some strategy content, but I want to give you some live content too, and I know that there's a few people who DM me and they like these little walks. I should probably video them, although, I, I, actually, you know what? I have been videoing them. Uh, I've got a hair transplant. Let's just get that out of the way. Got a hair transplant. Eight days ago, last Wednesday. So I signed up to go to this wonderful event called Ad Black Sea. You'll hear me talk about it and share videos from it for a while. I'd love to go back in Georgia at Batumi. Batumi is a seaside area. It's right on the Black Sea. It's a casino area. Definitely a dark side there too. We saw some strange stuff. Some strange stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to go back to Georgia. Really cool people. And conveniently for me, they speak English. So... And I always feel mixed emotions. I always say I feel mixed emotions as well. I feel like it's important to acknowledge that if you're speaking in a foreign country that you are speaking in your own language, you should probably know their language, but obviously it's hard to learn every language. <laughs> so I was going there and then I uh, had a, a day in Bulgaria to work with uh, an agency called The Other Half. We're working on a couple of projects to do with wine. There's a massive new wine estate called Aya, A-Y-A. It's pretty incredible. It launches next year. We had a tour of it on the Monday. It's in a region called Sturma, which is about about three hours south of Sofia. So we drove down there. We met one of the owners and listened to the story. We had a tour. It's pretty cool. I'm going to encourage you all to go there. I'm not getting paid to say that. I'm getting a little bit of money for the sort of the strategy work. It's not a little bit. It's, you know, relative to New York, it's a little bit. But what, I'm, what I think I'm going to try to do is on these trips just see if I can pick up a little bit of work where there's a bit of adventure involved. I'm saying a bit of a lot today, that's called diminishing language. It's a verbal tick of mine. Try not to do it at all, or a little bit. So yeah, hair transplant, I had two ops, so I'm going to talk to you about it. I was not going to talk about it because I arrived in Istanbul last Thursday through the massive airport. It's so expensive there. When I came through Initially, the week before, through Istanbul to get to Batumi, Georgia, I uh, was given access to a lounge, which apparently was about $75 for six hours or so, so that was nice. On the way back, well, on the way back through Istanbul to get to Bulgaria, and then back to Istanbul, I bought a kebab, a small kebab, and a Coke, 26 bucks. What the? What the? Turkey's super affordable if you have US dollars. There's a lot of pain about that here. I've had people DM me kind of begging for money or asking if they could take me on tours because they need US dollars and all this sort of stuff. So I, it's, uh, it's challenging here. The currency collapsed. But very interesting country. I've been watching a few geopolitical uh, 
videos on YouTube about this area. Well, frequently actually, it's amazing. Because you have the Bosphorus, which connects the Black Sea to the Aegean Sea, the Mediterranean. And between the, the Bosphorus, which I guess is the, the entrance and also maybe the name of the body of water, and the Aegean Sea, there's another sea called the Marmara Sea, which I believe is very, it's a very powerful sea. Is it, hang on, is it an inland salt sea? Is that what's going on with that one? I forgot, I forgot. And then he hit the Dardanelles. And all around this region, well, Turkey's been pushing to redefine its, I guess, naval borders so that it can access more of the gas. There are all these gas fields, is that what you call them? Gas areas being found and discovered and everybody's fighting over them. So Turkey's threatening Greece. Greece is not really threatening Turkey. I think it's 80 million to 10 million there. Long history too, because apparently the, the uh, I guess you would call them the Turks, although I read that that was a pejorative as in a negative term a while ago. But I did check, I did check with my friends. They're like, yeah, you can say Turk or the Turkish people or Turkish person. Apparently the Turks removed about one and a half million Christians to Greece, so maybe, what was that, a hundred years ago, a while ago? And obviously you have Kurdish populations who've been pummeled by everyone in the east of Turkey, the north of Iran. Such a complex area. So, hair transplant. So I arrived Tuesday, did a, a talk at Nike Istanbul, which is really cool, and then did a, another talk in the evening that night with the Chief Strategy Officer of TBWA Istanbul, Toygen Yilmaz, a lovely guy. Take, he's taking good care of me. The Georgians have this saying that guests are a gift from God, and they joke about forcing hospitality on everybody. I would say the Turks are a little bit, a little bit similar, but in a good way. Where I need that, I need that. I'm in my head all the time, always thinking I got to work, got to work. To the point where here was my plan last week. I arrive, I do two talks, I get an operation on Wednesday, and then I start my next book on Thursday. I just keep going, probably through the weekend, because I didn't know how I was going to look, if I was going to feel embarrassed, look ridiculous. But you know what? That's just not good planning. I was about taking a day or two off, mate. So I went in on Wednesday. I'm going to run you through this, and I've posted a video about this on Instagram. I am super interested in getting involved with medical tourism in a way where it could potentially help local populations too, because that is one of the issues where, you know, which people can afford it and then it can, I think it can clog up some healthcare resources, I'm not sure. But I've taken pages of notes, I've been, I've not in a formal way documented my customer journey, but I've, not in a formal way, but I've taken pages of notes of it, I've got lots of ideas, and definitely interested in getting involved and I don't know if it would be with hair transplants or medical tourism for men or obviously the bigger market is going to be for women uh, just coming down to the Bosphorus actually I can see it it's about 100 meters away there are a couple of big ships in the other days a couple of ships in today it might get a little noisy so yeah I arrived and was picked up on the Wednesday morning at about 8:30, taken to the Anatolian side, the Asian side, so you cross the bridge between Europe and Asia, which is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It's made up, but you know, it's cool. It's real. It's made up. And then I had a blood test, and then they sit you down with the doctor and they mark the hairline that you want. Now, if you've seen photos of me, my hairline was okay. It was just like an aging hairline, and I had 
more hair than my dad had at this age. I know it's through the mother's side, but also I think my granddad was pretty bald by this age too. So I had, I had some hair. I think I was wearing caps a little bit because I didn't know if I was going to be public about this. And one of the reasons that I, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that I thought I might as well be public is because I was uh, with some local agency people and my hotel. It's not really a hotel. It's a room. They're just called rooms. So there's a person who sits downstairs and there are rooms upstairs. But there's also like three cool little restaurants and bars in the place I'm in. It's interesting. So someone at the reception phoned the people I was with and said there was a nurse to draw my blood for my hair transplant. So this is, this is Tuesday and I'm like, oh my God. And they'd already spoken to two or three other agency people. So basically most the people I knew here kind of knew. And they all suspected anyway, because Turkey is known for this. Turkish Airlines is nicknamed Turkish Hairlines. I've got a concept for a movie called Hairport. Yes, it involves an Australian getting a hair transplant in a room next to an uh, Arab gentleman. It's controversial, I think. That the there's a bit of energy between the Turks and uh, people from the Middle East, Arab. I don't know which words to use, by the way, because, you know, I don't know. Anyway, high-stakes kidnapping mid-transplant. That's what I'm talking about. Hilarious, right? Obviously, the Australians, like, kind of got muscles, but also jokes. Also jokes. That's just how it is. This is how it is. The guy from the Middle East, yep, also, also has all of that. And, you know, a funny little scene. So I'm going to, don't worry, I'm going to have little side stories and I'll get back to the main story and then we'll talk strategy. Like, I'm super aware that I say this every now and then, people who listen to this kind of episode, you're just here for the full character experience. I'm just a character, not real. This could be all of my social life for today, <laughs> talking into it. A small microphone while walking around Istanbul. I'll come back to the day of the operation, but just one thing from the customer journey, for example, is you get added. Well, they, there's a lot of what, use of WhatsApp in many countries, but definitely here. And so there's like a care group, and they just check in with you every day, ask you to send photos. And uh, <laughs> day two, they're like, oh, can you send photos of your head? And I was like, oh, I wish I had a wig. First of all, you cannot touch the top of your head for a very long time. Yeah, you can't. So that would have horrified them. But if I could have photoshopped on a wig, sent it to them and just said, is this normal? <laughs> it, would have been, it would have been so funny to me, at least. They're very serious. Doctors are serious. And their helpers are serious, as they should be. So we do the hairline. It's Wednesday morning, maybe 9, 9.30. I meet the doc doctor, main doctor. And then we take some photos few different angles which we repeat several times through the day and the following day or at least once that day and another, uh, one more following day and then I go in you lay down on your face and then anesthesia goes into the back of your head that's called the donor area so uh, most hair transplants they're using your own hair that is moving it around your head and probably for 30 to 40 minutes these needles are going into the back of my head and I was like oh my god oh hang on I skipped a step they shave your head before all of this, which I didn't even know. I don't know how I missed that part. And i got to admit, I'm lying face down getting whacked in the back of the head with needles, which was okay. It was okay. I was focusing on the outcome. I was focusing on the outcome, trying to meditate a little. But while that was happening, I, 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 5% of me wanted to cry. 5%, all right? Not 7, 8, 9, or 10. 5. And I was like, what are you doing, mate? 
The shaved head looked good. <laughs> Just get up and go. <laughs> That's, that was some, they were some words on my mind. I used to shave my head half up the side, one on top. In my 20s, when I was doing the martial arts and hip-hop stuff. And um, can I compliment myself? I, I've got an okay head for a shaved head. I wasn't sure what was going to be under there again because it's been 20 years. And, I, and that's probably one of the reasons that I wanted to get a hair transplant. I was like, I don't know. But it was okay. It was okay. And then I thought, what if I pay for this hair transplant and then shave my head again? And the doctor's like, yeah, you could totally do that. It's fine. So, hey, that could be in my future. I did like the flow out the back, though. It was just a bit feral as I was getting older and it was thinning a little bit. A bit ratty. So the needles go in, that sort of soothes the back, well not soothes, numbs the back of your head. How long would that have taken? 30 to 40 minutes. There are no clocks here. Only really one person spoke English. Well, there was a group of people who spoke English, the translators, and they go between rooms. Really good actually, quite, quite interesting from a, like a customer experience point of view. Lead translator, lovely guy, studied political science, just out of university. He was kind of like the maitre d' of the whole thing. And I reckon if they leaned into that, and, and made it even maybe more of a ceremony maybe more of a show maybe fun even with a personality like that that's just you know one out of about 20 thoughts I've got on the space and then maybe for an hour I don't know what was going on at the back it sounded like drilling and then someone would sort of there's two people one seemed to have some kind of drill don't know what they were doing with it I didn't really want to know and then the other one just took the hair out of the back, the follicles. They did 4,800 grafts, they said. They, was, they said they were going to do 4,000. They did 4,800. If you were really bald, you're probably looking at about 10,000 and maybe over a couple of different surgeries, I believe. Yeah, so that was a thing. That was pretty uncomfortable. But, but if you feel pain, you just tell them and they... Needle you up, needle you up. So I guess that took us to about 12 o'clock. Again, no, no clock. And I'm pretty sure I'm jumping a step because the main doctor came in at some point. Maybe he was involved with that part of it. I, I can't remember. And he put on some classical music, Vanessa May, but the music didn't stay on. And I was like, I want music, I want music. It kept going off. So I put on some Turkish rap, Ben Ferro. It's one of the rappers' names, and the workers seem to be happy. That's such a tough job, though, doing that all day. It's kind of weird, too. You know, taking out you know, 4,800 grafts of hair from someone and then putting it in somewhere else. It's tough work, I would imagine. So maybe from 12-ish till about 4, 4.30, they're putting the hair in. It felt weird. Like, it just feels like hair going into your head. But also, you, you're not really feeling it, feeling it. You just know it's happening. It was kind of funny because there was no other English in the room for most of the time and the people working on me were sort of laughing and giggling and initially I was like, oh my god, was, am I bleeding or is my head weird? What's going on? But, you know, they were just trying to entertain themselves. They weren't necessarily talking about me. I think they appreciated the rap. So yeah, that went to about 4, 4.30, and then they put bandages over the back of your head. A lot of you on TikTok and Instagram might have seen guys with the headbands walking around Istanbul or even the Istanbul airport. There's all these videos about it. 
and walking around Istanbul and the airport, a lot of people with like visual surgeries done, a lot of nose jobs, hair, hair transplants. You get a few weird looks, but it's okay. It's okay. And then you have to take antibiotics and an anti-edema. You got all this liquid in your head. My forehead swelled up a little bit, but I iced it. I was pretty good. You can't have direct sun on it, direct rain. No touching, especially for the first five days. But apparently the first six months is about the scalp recovering. And then the first 12 months is also about the scalp and then the hair recovering. So you might take minoxidil or finasteride, although I've heard finasteride has some pretty bad hormonal implications. Uh, you got to use special shampoos, just very natural stuff. And yeah, some pills, painkillers. I don't like taking painkillers if I don't have to. I think I've taken two or three in a week. So that was a hair transplant. Day two was Thursday. I had to go back in and they take the bandage off. Oh yes, this is important. You have to sleep, not upright, but you have to sleep without your head being down or touching things. So they give you one of those travel pillows that you put around your neck and you have to sit pillows up at about 45 degree angle in bed. It was okay actually. The first night I slept about eight hours. I'm not a good sleeper and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna sleep for 10 minutes, aren't I? But I actually slept for about eight hours. And then day two, they pick you up take you to the hospital, take off the bandage, wash your hair gently, you got to pat it, you can't use a towel, you have to pat it dry or just let it dry, it's a shaved head so it dries quickly without anything. And yeah, there was that, I did not start the book, I have not started the book, although I have lots of content, so when I travel I kind of pick up stories that, I'm, that I'll use, so the next book is going to be called Write Yourself Into Public. In some ways I feel it's going to be bigger than the last book, but also smaller. I don't know if that makes sense. Because I'll be writing for a broader audience, but because it's for a broader audience, it might be harder to get attention from the broader audience. And it's going to be turning this course I did called Write Yourself Into Public, that's on the Sweathead website, with a funny framework. The Adept as F system for savage self-expression. Be turning that into a book. I talk about it all the time because I, I publish online. People are like, yeah, I want to do that more. How do I do it? So I'm going to answer that. And I was going to rush it out this year, but the economy's soft. I'm getting a lot of signals. The economy's super soft right now. I see it in our business. I see it in clients' businesses, talking to freelancers and consultants who are like either long-term out of work or, or not getting a lot of work. Skillshare sent out an email this week saying their teacher fund that they pay from is, is down, down for various reasons, subscription fatigue, etc. And I was like, well, I could speed that up, and I'm making this little course on my point of view on comms planning. I could speed all of that up, but to launch this into a soft economy, I'm not sure. So planning for next year, for 2024, sweat Got to take all, all of this into consideration. <coughs> I think we had too much on this year. A bit confusing. Got a simplify. I'm about to sneeze, you can hear it, but I'm also about to cross the river to the old town from, is it Katakoi or, I get confused. Karakoi, yeah, I got it right. Because there's a Katasoi and a Karakoi. So I can see all these incredible old buildings right now, like mosques and all kinds of stuff. Amazing.
So look, that's, that's most of the hair transplant situation. If you're involved in medical tourism or interested, I think really interesting stuff could be created brand-wise, retail-wise. I was looking at the shops in that main street that I cannot pronounce still. It's a Kalil, the long one where there's, it's busier than Times Square in the afternoons and nights. That's a kilometer or two long. Now, could there be a shop front there? Could there be a way to get guys to come in? Again, I don't know if it's guys or women or anyone, or if it's a hair transplant, or broader. Could it be fun? Because one of the weird things is that you do see other people with similar surgeries to you, but we all kind of ignore each other. It's kind of weird. It does look weird. Someone in my DMs who's been thinking about this is like, yeah, there's the sort of sapphire Star Trek head because it gets all dotty. Mine's been okay, and I don't actually have a headband. Mine's been okay, I feel like, compared to others that I've seen. I'm sure if I held my head at a certain angle and you were in front of me, you wouldn't even know. Just be like, sick head, mate. Then on Tuesday, so this is the final op story. Again, some strategy talk. I'm here for the parasocials, friends. Here for the parasocials. So, well, before I get to that, yeah, I was not going to talk about this. I thought, maybe I'll just do this for me. And then people locally started to find out, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be on stage coming up, and it's going to be kind of obvious, I might as well just talk about it. And I've had a lot of lovely messages from people, people who've done it, people who want to do it, partners of people who are thinking about it. And a friend, I, just want, I won't name people because I don't know if they'd be comfortable with it just yet, but one of my, one of my friends who's worked on the brand Rogaine was saying that they're thinking about it and it's like it's as simple as this if you can keep your hair why wouldn't you or if you can have hair why wouldn't you that's not to like shame or anything people who are bald or who whatever bald there's no awe there do you do you some people it looks great on but I was like 45 you know I've got a few years a few years left from an old person's home which I don't really want to be in an old person's home Apparently that's a good way to shorten your life, according to research. It takes two to six years of your life to go to a retirement home. Saw that today. So, probably going to talk about it a little bit more. Might bring it into some of my events. Could be annoying. Could be gross for people. I don't know. How would I have felt if I was 25? This person's talking about these things. I just think it's very relatable because so many guys do lose their hair. Most of the guys in the clinic I was it was expensive to Turkey, but less expensive than I was. I'll tell you, it was, I paid a little bit over $3,000, and I looked at prices in Brazil, I've, I've looked at prices all over the place. In the US, I feel like the US is like 15 to 20 grand, US. The place I was in, most of the guys, I guess, like, kind of good looking dudes, trying to protect what they have. Most of them seem to be in their 30s. Walking around, I've seen older guys, 50s and 60s. But uh, most of the guys I saw seemed to be in their 30s. And it's just led to interesting conversations, even with women who are young, in their 20s, are getting Botox preemptively so that, you know, as they age, it's not obvious, or they just look like that for a very long time. And just talking about it ethically, morally, and also how once you've done one op, or for me, two ops, and I'm not looking at doing other stuff, right? But for some people, you do one or two ops, and you're like, oh, this isn't too bad, I could get more done. So day, well, not day, second op, I did, oh, Tuesday. And I was in this area with a lot of plastic surgeons, 
Nasasti, Nasansti. Yeah, the words and the names just not sticking in my head. We're still crossing the bridge. Pretty incredible architecture. I had a weird experience at the Grand Bazaar the other day. Had a little verbal argument with the first guy I encountered because I was just filming some stuff for three seconds and he's on my shoulder, big big dude, just on my shoulder. You gonna buy something? You gonna buy something? Oh, konnichiwa, bonjour. He's doing that sort of stuff to me. So I called him a word, and he's like, "No, you're that." I was like, "Bro, don't like conflict, but you know, I'm wired. I'm wired. Just don't be a tool." So, yes, went to another surgeon, a plastic surgeon, to get a lipoma removed. About 10, I'd say about 10 years ago, this lipoma started to form on my left bicep. Around that time, I was doing a lot of powerlifting, weightlifting. It was the strongest I'd, I'd ever been, actually. I was doing the 5x5 Stronglifts program, for those of you who are into that, which is probably a few of you, actually. Maybe not that program, but into the body. And part of that means you need to eat about 4,000 calories a day picked up a few injuries as well so I don't, I don't know if it's the combination of all of that little injury here and there cutting the muscle I'm not even talking scientifically here cutting the muscle doesn't lead to a lipoma but anyway this lipoma started to form and it wasn't super obvious you know it's just this little bump on the bicep but I kept I just saw it every time I was in the mirror and I don't look in the mirror a lot it might surprise some of you I, I don't I don't but when I did I was like oh and it, it just reminded me of that time because that time I was really unhappy a lot of stuff was going on in my life, well, in my, my family's lives, like really serious stuff. Uh, you know, like, first of all, I'd moved here and was pretty unhappy in most of the jobs. Okay, that's on me, that's on me, I have to own that and that's why I do what I do now, that's why you watch the energy of someone who's like, no, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm not that person, I can't be that employee. That's what you're seeing. Yeah, around, around that time, I'll gently tell you, okay? Block your ears. But uh, one of my family members was diagnosed with prostate cancer. One of my family members um, burned some of their house down and one of my family members died and one of my family members drove into a, um, a moving train. And... I don't mean to be casual about it, and I don't know who listens to this, so I have a feeling maybe one of my family members listens to this. But that was just a lot. You know, I got young kids, I'm in New York, it's expensive, I don't like the corporate culture, there's pressure, all this stuff's going on in my family life. And that sort of cluster of stuff, metaphorically, felt like the cluster of fat in my arm. I don't, I don't want to make too much of a point about it, but it was just, it was just there, right? You know, when you just, something happens, you just associate things with, with that. Um, Shout outs to the family, by the way. We're crazy. I'm sure we could have led easier lives without the crazy. So, that, <laughs> yeah. That surgery took about 30 minutes. Local anesthetic, local anesthesia. Uh, cut into the arm. It took longer than I thought. I was like, oh God, how, how deep is it? And in New York, I went and saw a doctor at one of the hospitals and you have to pay you know, hundreds of dollars just for a consultation for him so you could cut it out. And I'm like, yeah, how much is it going to cost? And they couldn't give me a price. Spent a month going back and forth with this 
administrative person. It's so common in the US. There's just so much. Look, you're, you're great at a lot of things, but you're also mediocre at a lot of stuff. Systems, government, healthcare. Not the quality of the healthcare providers, but the just you're deliberately running a predatory, mediocre system for most people. It's not. It's not okay. It's kind of disgusting. Education also. Not dissing you. Just saying. There's many things to fix, but at least those two. So yeah, he's digging around and oh yeah, the New York experience. So I think it might have because the guy's like, yeah, you have to go to this hospital. I'd have an anesthetist with me, blah blah blah. And I'm like, that's got to be four or five thousand dollars. Come on, because even online I'd seen quotes for like you know five hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars in the U.S. in smaller markets. And then when I was in Sydney last December, I popped into this doctor and asked him the same. I paid maybe a hundred dollars for a consult. And he's like, yeah, I guess I could do it tomorrow in this hospital, but I need an anesthetist. And I think he gave me a number like three or four grand. Maybe it was two, but it wasn't under a grand. And so, you know, I paid 350 euros for this removal. And it was three centimeters wide. It was funny having it come out. And I just feel relieved. I hope there's no muscle damage. I hope there's no damage to my arm. It's healing okay. But yeah, so that's my, that's my story from the past few weeks. I'm now looking back at the era that I was in. There's, oh yeah, massive boats. I wish you could see it. What I've struggled with lately is so many places I've been have been spectacular, but like the cameras just don't do it justice. Or don't do the places justice. All right. Let me just drop in one strategy thing. How's about that? Oh, I've got to get your strategy content on. Just open it up Instagram. I think I'm pretty close to where I want to go, which is the... Uh, Maybe it's the Istanbul Archaeological Museum or something like that. Bro, Istanbul, you got to fix your museum names. It's so confusing. I was invited to the TBWA 30th party last night, and by the time I got there, I was in such a mood. I lost my reading glasses. My arm's throbbing a little bit. I spent two hours trying to work out where to go because I had heard or understood that it was at, a, at basically like the Contemporary Museum of Art, but there's nowhere called that. So I go to the Istanbul Modern, which is on the Bosphorus, and they're like, nah, it's not here. So then I look up contemporary modern or something like that. And then have to wait for taxis because they hate Uber, especially at nights. And they they try to scam you. You have to negotiate. But you can use Uber to get a sense of the price. And you probably need to offer twice the price of the Uber. Because Uber's pretty cheap, actually, if they accept it. If someone accepts my Uber, I give them, like, you know, three or four dollar tip. So anyway, I finally get a cab to go a couple of miles. I was tired as well by then. And feeling a little feverish and not sick feverish but just the body's fighting you know two ops body's fighting for itself and i get to this place i'm like there's nothing there and so i'm going through all the instagram stories of people who i know are there and i was like oh there's a new place called contemporary istanbul so i went to istanbul modern no contemporary modern not there and then contemporary istanbul which is about 15 20 minutes away walk through all these this warehouse space it's still being built for the party and I got there and I was just in a foul mood. So I was like, I just spent three hours. It was going to be my night out in Istanbul. Me, 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 me. I was in a mood. So I stayed about 10 minutes and I was like, uh, I don't think this is for me. So I bounced. I bounced. All right. Uh, yeah. That was quality information. So I just want to talk about this real riddle of a thing that you're all dealing with a lot. I've heard questions like this again, maybe in my 20s. 
with clients, but I just feel it's so, I feel like there are these questions in marketing and advertising right now that people ask and like, as if they know stuff and they're dumb questions. They're dumb questions that people use to try to sound smart and I hate it. I hate it because it hurts people. People get destroyed. Like you, these dumb, is, is that an ownable idea? What does that even mean? Yeah, I know you could define it. I could define it too, but no, seriously, what does it mean? Don't you own the idea by making the idea and putting your logos and stuff and your distinctive brand assets on it? What do you mean is it ownable? You can do stuff that's been done before and it's still going to get some kind of connection probably. It will, as long as it's good. The whole debate between brand marketing and product marketing, bro, if you're just doing product marketing, you're going to pay a price for it in the long term. But so many of you are working in environments that are logic, product, engineering focus, skeptical of creativity, don't get brand, or that exists and the CEO wants to be the author of the brand. I get around, I know what you're all dealing with. I know, I talk to hundreds of people, bro. So I want to talk about this weird thing that keeps popping up, which is the debate. Well, someone will say something like this, right? Yeah, but we need to do functional, not emotional advertising. I'm like, what does that even mean? So let's imagine what that is, functional, advertising. I believe that means a functional message, function, functions do things, or, well, the function is the doing. A thing functions, a thing does stuff, so functions about doing. But I think it also means a rational, unemotional delivery of the function. So something like will it brand, did I just say will it brand? So I'm crossing the road trying to get to run over here. Uh, you know the famous campaign will it blend where they just put random stuff like iPhones into the blender pretty smart use of search back then as well or trending what was trending they just tried to blend it will it blend is showing you the function of their blender hardcore blender $400 or something I think back then but it's, and there's a guy wearing a white lab coat is that functional or emotional it's, it's like you know going to stand-up comedy and saying like talking about whether a joke was negative or positive maybe even sad or happy what if it's all of those things and so when someone's like we need to do functional communication product marketing I think that just means talking about what the product does explaining it to the point where people fall asleep using lots of bullet points just facts it doesn't work I mean it can work for a certain point of certain type of person and it'll work every now and then but you need to lead with emotion it's not a battle between the two you need both Emotion's the way you get into the memory, and that's what advertising is about. So, I don't understand this whole thing about the functional versus emotional thing. Like, I, I can understand it, but I don't want to understand it. That's what I'm saying. And it's going to ruin some of your years. I know that. Now, there is the benefit ladder that a lot of people have used over time, where you have like features, functions, or functional benefits, and then emotional benefits. And these things can be pretty important. I've worked with some FMCG companies where that ladder was one of the most important frameworks of their year. So features, what are the ingredients of the, the thing, the attributes, the functions, what do those things combine to do? And, and those things could combine to do something in a very literal way. So, you know, soft tissue, function, wipe your nose, wipe your eyes. But it could also be a little lateral. I mean, cleaning your ears with tissues is not super lateral. But, you know, some people back in the day might have put tissues in their bras. Again, not lateral, but a little 
maybe an edge case. So you got features, functions, and emotions. What are those? What, what does that doing lead to emotionally? Okay, so we have those frameworks, and they're useful. I, I like to use them. They just help you split things out into categories, but so so that you can combine them in creative ways, not so that you can be literal in their communication. And most of you are in, in meetings with a ton of bullet points, a lot of information, the logic people are winning right now. Rory Sutherland makes this point, I'm going to repeat it. I don't cite a lot of other people in this space, but it's kind of because it feels weird. But we were doing a panel last week, and just before that he was talking, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard him make this point, which is how creative people have to often usually report into very rational people with their ideas, but rational people don't usually have to do the same. It's a good point. It's a very good point. All right, just coming up to this little street, maybe a few blocks away. Istanbul's so cool. Uh, it's a bit touristy in parts, but food's good and I feel a bit guilty because I'm able to eat for like five bucks, ten bucks, but I'll see the prices which will be like five dollars for say falafel and I'm like oh I guess I should get two dishes because it might not be big and then I'm like oh that five dollar dish was filling. I'll also encourage you to do that but it's all good. Yeah so look I know this is a really simple point and maybe not even the point of the podcast I just wanted to give you some strategy stuff but if you're in these kind of interactions at work where you're like I don't think this makes sense you could be right that's really what I want to talk about there's these questions and things that people focus on even like the path to purchase I know there's a whole bunch of like maverick opinions about it there's no funnel it's this it's that it's this shape it's that shape cool But that whole debate about, you know, we're trying to increase awareness, consideration, or intent, where that came from is, and I don't know if this still exists as much, but a long time ago, when I was a kid, an adult kid in advertising, marketers would often get incentivized, they'd, they'd get bonuses based on shifting a percentage of people through a rolling panel, maybe done every three months, maybe every month, twice a year, probably expensive for most companies, but shifting a, a group of people's response to a survey from aware through to consideration, intent. So those debates, are we increasing awareness or consideration? Like they, they don't matter. Maybe they matter for your incentives, but then that's not the best incentive. I don't think. Not the best thing to incentivize. So you know what? I'm going to wrap up there. If uh, you're looking for stuff to do training-wise, my accelerator starts in a few good days. You can DM me on Instagram if you're interested. And check out some of the videos I'm putting up there. I'm just trying to find a new way of being. And I do have stuff about all the operations on the Instagrams, as well as all the strategy essays. Tahab Race is doing a masterclass for us in the middle of October about creative briefs. He's one of the most awarded strategists in the world, so he'll be talking about the award-winning mindset. Last week, we had a wonderful masterclass by Maria Van Buskirk from Media by Mother. Really good attendance, and the cool thing about comms planning is it's so it's so fun and interesting. And we've done a few things on comms planning, and often people are like, oh my god, I've been doing something like this for a long time, and now I know exactly what I want to do. So that kind of epiphany is is beautiful because that could steady someone for five to ten years, maybe longer. And then we're going to launch the Do Together next week, our conference, two-day conference in November. 
the theme is mission irreplaceable. We've got a great lineup of speakers. We're going to do revenue share. 50% of the revenue will equally go to all the speakers. And we've asked all the speakers to bring in at least one other person to either do something with or for that person to also do their own session. So you'll start to hear a little bit more about that as well. I'll be in Peru end of October, Iceland November. Lots of stuff coming up, talking about going to Dubai in January, possibly also Sri Lanka and India. So if you're anywhere near or on the way to those things and you need some strategy talking, or you just want me to run you through some kind of, you know, workshop on stage in front of 800 people so you can quit your job, like Alado did in Batumi, Georgia, I'm here for it. You can email me, mark.pollard at sweathead.com. Hope you're doing okay out there. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sweathead. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend, subscribe to our newsletter, find us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Sweathead. And if you're interested in finding out about our strategy memberships, company training or books, visit sweathead.com. Whoop, whoop.